As COVID-19 continues to spread across the United States, doctors and other healthcare providers are stepping up to assist in the effort. Some of these volunteers are re-licensed or recently licensed providers. Some have retired from practice and are coming back to work, and some are even coming from out of state or working with an expanded scope of practice. Today on the Inside Track, we're talking to Mr. Mike Stinson. He's the Vice President of Government Relations and Public Policy at the Medical Professional Liability Association, MPLA. And we're going to better understand what urologists need to consider in terms of liability protections during this COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us about the Medical Professional Liability Association. The Medical Professional Liability Association is a trade association uh, representing the Medical Professional Liability uh, community. We used to be known as medical malpractice insurance companies, but that terminology has changed over the years to medical professional liability. And the way insurance is provided is, uh, has also changed over that time. While it used to be um, a lot of single state uh, insurance companies that were owned and operated by the physicians that uh, they provided the insurance to, it's really expanded uh, in recent years so that we are all different types of insurance providers, including self-insurance entities uh, and captives, which are other entities that provide their own insurance for themselves rather than going through a third party. We do make up about uh, 60% uh, of the uh, insured uh, healthcare providers uh, in the U.S. uh, through our member companies. So we are um, representing the vast majority of uh, companies providing coverage throughout the country. Can you tell us about what you're seeing right now on a national level and in the state level as well in terms of medical liability protections for physicians? Also, if you don't mind touching on how these protections differ from Good Samaritan laws, I'd be curious to hear that too. Sure. Um, Let me start off at the national level. Ever since the outbreak of the uh, coronavirus, we've been looking for ways that we can try to uh, help protect uh, the people who are on the front lines of the battle against the, uh, the pandemic. And uh, one of the approaches we've taken is we reached out to uh, leaders on Capitol Hill and were able to work with them to include some protections for volunteer healthcare providers in the third stimulus package that was passed. Um, these protections specifically apply to those who are not being compensated uh, for the care they're providing and applies for the duration of the uh, national pandemic declaration. Uh, we would like to have seen a little bit more, but the circumstances only allowed us to uh, to go that far at the time. Um, what we're seeing now at the state level is much more comprehensive efforts uh, to provide protections to um, all types of different healthcare providers and facilities. Uh, we've had several states that have uh, had governors issue executive orders which either waive provisions of law or clarified provisions of law regarding liability protections uh, to the point where in uh, many of these states, I believe it's uh, seven or eight now that have had these uh, executive orders produced, um, healthcare professionals and facilities are given full immunity, absent uh, gross negligence or willful misconduct from any actions that they take uh, throughout the duration of the state-declared uh, emergencies uh, or uh, disaster declarations. And uh, the benefit of this is that it goes beyond just those who are providing care to uh, COVID-19 patients or those who are suspected of having the illness to cover all levels of healthcare that are being provided, which is a really good acknowledgement 
that uh, even healthcare professionals who aren't treating uh, victims of the outbreak right now are still being affected in the way that they provide care. Now, we are continuing our efforts at the national level, even though we got those volunteer protections included in, and are reaching out to leaders on Capitol Hill to try to encourage them to adopt the same kind of protections that uh, these states have put in place. And so we are pushing for full liability for healthcare professionals and facilities uh, throughout the the uh, public emergency declaration that currently exists in the United States. And we're getting some positive response to that right now. It's too soon to tell if that will be accepted into a future stimulus package, um, but we are continuing to promote that uh, along with our uh, allies in the medical community. Now, you asked how that uh, differed from Good Samaritan protections. Uh, Good Samaritan protections are kind of limited uh, in many ways, and it varies from state to state, depending on exactly how their laws are written. Uh, but in general, Good Samaritan protections are intended to apply to a healthcare provider who comes upon uh, an emergency situation uh, and responds to it then. It's a little different from the protections we put into the uh, previous stimulus package because that applies to situations where people are coming to the healthcare professionals um, or the, the professionals are coming to uh, a disaster site but not just happening upon it. Uh, they're coming to it with the intention of providing care. And in some uh, states, that wouldn't actually fall under a Good Samaritan uh, definition so that it wouldn't apply. In terms of medical liability protections for physicians fulfilling different roles during this pandemic, you know, what proactive measures has the MPLA taken with specialties and the AMA to raise lawmakers' awareness of the unique medical liability issues that are in play right now? Well, we've done a lot of outreach. As I mentioned earlier, uh, in the early days of the association, uh, most of our members were made up of companies that were actually owned and operated by the insurers themselves. And even though that's uh, changed a little bit over the years, we still feel like we have a very direct and close connection to the medical community. We're not just the people providing their insurance. We're the ones who are kind of with them on the uh, uh, front lines of all the situations they're facing. And so as this uh, has developed, We've worked not just with the American Medical Association, but with numerous specialty and subspecialty organizations to try to coordinate all our advocacy efforts, um, especially at the federal level, but even uh, in some of the states throughout the U.S. as well. And uh, we've done that by uh, mostly working through a coalition we have called the Health Coalition on Liability and Access. And this gives us a format where we can all come together discuss strategies, discuss different advocacy approaches, and try to determine the best messages to get across, the best way to deliver our messages, and more importantly than anything else, making sure that the messages we're transmitting are unified, that we're all talking from the same page and all coordinating our efforts, because in the end, we're all focused on the same goals, making sure that healthcare providers are protected from unwarranted lawsuits so that they can focus their talents and their time and their efforts on providing the highest level of care possible, um, and especially at this time when uh, healthcare professionals and the facilities are being so taxed and facing such trying circumstances, it's really important to make sure that uh, they're given as much flexibility to do that as possible without having to worry that that flexibility, which is really you know, to the patient's advantage, isn't going to be used against them uh, by uh, personal injury lawyers down the road. In some cases, we're seeing urologists being called upon to volunteer to take care of COVID-19 patients. What should our members, our AUA members, understand about malpractice and liability in these unique situations? And what questions should they be asking their carrier? We think one of the most important 
important things to remind folks is that it's uh, critical that they maintain communications uh, with their insurance company. Uh, I've received a lot of questions over the last few weeks about, well, what is the, what's the average uh, medical liability policy look like, or what are the carriers doing in this front? And it really varies a lot from state to state and even sometimes from company to company. So we encourage folks, if you're going to have any deviation from your normal practice, uh, if you're uh, heeding the call to go out of state to help in a state where maybe there's more uh, of a crisis situation than what you're currently facing in your state, or if you're being asked to perform outside the normal scope of your uh, activities, get in touch with your insurer. Tell them what's going on. Uh, in many cases, under the policies uh, that our companies write, they're going to tell you you're already covered, um, regardless of which state you're in. And as long as you're not doing a dramatic change and practicing uh, something you've never attempted before that's well outside the scope of usual practice, um, they're going to tell you you're covered. Uh, in cases especially where um, urologists and other specialists are being asked to do things that are a little more basic, you know, triage of patients, uh, diagnosis of patients, and things like that. Again, in the overwhelming number of cases, your policy is already going to cover that, but it's always a good idea just to touch base with the insurer and let them know so that if for any reason you've got a policy that's more restrictive uh, than the ones I've just described, they can make sure to make adjustments to that to allow you to uh, do whatever it is you need to do. What are some of the policy actions that states have taken in terms of protections for physicians and providers right now? Sure. There's really two major things that are going on at this point. As I mentioned earlier, in several states, uh, governors have taken the initiative and uh, put in place executive orders which are providing liability protections for um, all levels of healthcare providers and facilities as well in many cases. Um, in many of these circumstances, that's because uh, the state laws had already given the governor the authority to waive provisions of state law, which interfered with an emergency response uh, to a situation like this. Um, we've seen New York was very proactive in doing this, Illinois, Connecticut, uh, just to name a few where they've uh, taken quick steps through uh, executive action to put these in place. Uh, we've also found that there are a number of states that were, in some ways, even more proactive because they already had laws on the books that said, in the event of a state disaster declaration or state public health emergency, liability would be waived uh, for healthcare providers who are responding to the emergency or who are supporting the state's efforts. Um, and obviously, with the COVID virus being uh, so widespread, uh, really any activity uh, performed uh, to improve the healthcare situation right now is really in support of the state's efforts, uh, at least in our interpretation of these. Um, now, we have been informed that there are some states where the governors don't necessarily have the authority to grant these liability protections. And in some of those cases, uh, states are actually already looking at legislation. Um, that they could put forward um, in the short run in order to uh, provide these liability protections. In fact, uh, the uh, MPL Association has produced uh, several model bills that we've been sharing with other organizations around the country and encouraging them that if they don't have the ability to get an immediate executive order, they should consider uh, requesting an emergency session of their legislatures to take action uh, to uh, provide these kind of protections because it really is necessary to ensure that uh, our healthcare professionals are getting as extensive a, uh, protection from 
unwarranted lawsuits as possible at this time. Do you have maybe a top takeaway for our audience today about what you would want them to come away from this discussion with knowing and maybe the most important thing to keep in mind? Three things come to mind. Um, One is just be cautious. Don't assume uh, that you have protections or that you will be protected simply because you're doing the right thing. Um, Unfortunately, in our uh, litigious environment, uh, that's not always the case. And so I would definitely recommend uh, that uh, look at the situation, figure out what it is you need to do. And as I mentioned before, contact your uh, medical liability insurer to make sure that if liability protections aren't in place in your state, that your coverage is going to be adequate um, to address the circumstances you may be facing. Uh, The last thing I would say is while we have some states that have taken action, others haven't yet. But that doesn't mean they necessarily won't do that. And they need to hear from not just my members, the the, uh, medical liability insurers, but also from the folks who are on the front lines. So if you haven't seen any action taken in your state yet to put liability protections in place uh, for those who are responding to this uh, public health emergency, I would definitely encourage folks to contact their governors, contact their state legislators, and ask them to take swift action to uh, get those protections in place as soon as possible. Mike Stinson has been our guest today on the AUA Inside Track podcast. He is the Vice President of Government Relations and Public Policy at the Medical Professional Liability Association. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you and the AUA for the opportunity to appear today.